and, uh, and also honor your incredible pastors here, Pastor Sam and Carolina. Just uh, the word, uh, you know, it, it really does feel like family. Uh, we've um, known Andy and the, and the Red Frogs team for quite a long time, but to be down at YA Conference, it, it really does. It feels like family that when we come down, and, and I think it is because it's that common goal to to reach the world with the name of Jesus and to shine brighter, uh, to know the love and the grace and the mercy that is Jesus. And, uh, and so we love that we get to do that and, uh, and to partner with you guys. Uh, a little bit about who, uh, who I am and, and as Pastor Sam mentioned before, uh, my wife Rachel and I oversee our young adult community for our whole church. We're one church in six locations uh, right across, across Queensland and uh, we oversee our young adult and university ministry within that generation role and uh, we look after the Bible college in towns also but I uh, really want to get into the word I feel like I've got a word that uh, God's put on my heart today sorry about my slight man cold my wife is not here to you know give me sympathy and things like that so uh, you'll have to put up with me today with my man flu I'm just gonna open this thank you how good's Josh by the way Awesome. Uh, I want to read for you a, a story I found in Mark, and uh, it's Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and it's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And uh, I think uh, t- today, uh, just to take a few observations out of it, uh, I love that um, the way that in, in the Gospels it presents Jesus and, and the reality of the Gospel uh, for you and I and what that looks like. And when people with just simple faith, I think religion has a way of complicating faith, but when we take faith simply uh, as Jesus presented it, uh, that there's something powerful, that there's miracles and moments uh, where God can impact lives. And that's what this story is in, in Mark chapter 2, verses uh, 1 to 12. And uh, I'm going to read it for you. You can read along. Uh, when you're there. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread so quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word for them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They could bring him to Jesus. Uh, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man down on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there uh, thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out the door uh, through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. Uh, you know, I want to take this story and just make some observations about the reality of who God is in this. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. Jesus, we thank you today. 
Lord, that through the hearing of your word, God, that we might be transformed, challenged, God, inspired and encouraged to make an impact for you in our world. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Amen. Do you know, number one, one of the, the, the great things about this story is that these young boys, is, uh, they set out to help their friend, but they didn't have all the answers. Uh, chances are they couldn't even explain the condition of the paralyzed man. Yet, with great determination, they carry him to Jesus. Why? They understood one thing. They understood that they needed to get him to Jesus. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't know um, what might happen next. Uh, They didn't need to know or be able to describe the condition in which this young guy had. The reality is they, they knew one thing. They knew, man, if we can get him to Jesus, maybe something might shift in his life. So if we get him to Jesus, maybe we might see a miracle. We've heard about, we've started to hear about these miracles that this Jesus has been doing. What if we could just get him to Jesus? Uh, All they knew was to get him to Jesus. Uh, Jesus will know and Jesus can do the rest. Uh, They didn't have a a 10-point program on how to, you know, get a miracle. Uh, They didn't even probably understand what the, the seriousness of his condition was. But they knew that if they got him to Jesus, that something might shift in their friend's life. Imagine how surprised they were, though, when, when Jesus forgave his sins. Uh, in verse 5, we see that. We just carried him all this. Imagine standing there, these, these four young boys, and they've, they've literally uh, carried him onto the roof, dug a hole in the roof. I don't know where they found a shovel. Uh, they obviously had a MacGyver pocket knife uh, just hanging out in their back pocket. And uh, so they dig a hole in the roof. And then they go through all this effort and energy to get him to Jesus. And, and Jesus is like, I'll forgive your sins. And uh, these boys are like... We just carried him here, like, he's paralyzed. Do you not see that? Like, we didn't walk through the door. We lowered him through the roof. And, uh, but Jesus forgives his sins. Uh, they would have been just as surprised as anyone. Uh, yet the reality is, is that when we encounter Jesus, the reality of Jesus is that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more. Not only was he physically healed, uh, but his sins were forgiven. His eternity, his salvation was assured. Uh, that's the reality. Ephesians 3.20 states it, that now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. Uh, how often have we missed opportunities though, just like these boys, where we've missed that opportunity to get somebody to Jesus? Maybe it's looked like for you, uh, you know, that those excuses like, I don't know enough about God yet. Maybe it's, I haven't read the whole Bible yet. I still sound silly when I pray out loud. I don't feel ready, you know, to, to go to Bible college or ministry college yet. Uh, I don't have enough money in the bank. Uh, as if these things are the things that qualify us to be included in Jesus' miracles. Uh, do you know, Jesus, I love that the reality of his disciples were, uh, do you know, you don't have to... Oh. I love that. Uh, do you know, to be included in Jesus' miracles... These guys only knew the one thing, that you had to get him, they had to get him to Jesus. Uh, The reality of Jesus is that he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. His disciples were, uh, you know, the the motley crew almost, but they knew one thing, get him to Jesus. Uh, The reality is for for most people, and including myself, this is a message to myself, uh, don't stop before you even start. Uh, and what are some of those things that you need to get to Jesus? Uh, maybe for you, it's, uh, 
you know, some of those things might be anxiety. Maybe it's fear of failure. Uh, maybe it's depression. Maybe it's unforgiveness towards somebody. Uh, do you know, so many times we try and deal with it on our own and it paralyzes us. It's that the picture of the story. We sit on our mat and we complain about our circumstance, yet we never get to Jesus. We never give it to Jesus. And so uh, what does that look like for you? What's those things that you've got to get to Jesus? Uh, what are some of those situations that you need to take to Jesus? Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your studies. Maybe it's in your, in your finance to get them to Jesus. You know, for, for Rachel and I, uh, we've been so blessed. Uh, there's a, a scripture found in Matthew 6.33. It's one of the core convictions of our, of our family. And uh, it says that, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. The reality is when you put God first, you will never be second uh, in your finances, wherever it might be. And, and our lives are a testimony to that fact that, you know, in, in taking steps of faith into, you know, putting God first, that we have never been second. And we've seen God prove so faithful uh, in all of those areas, in our finances. Uh, so I, I really encourage you this year that, you know, not just to maintain, you know, that, that mundane routine of life, but to, to be intentional, to be deliberate uh, and about seeing the incredible miracles of God uh, in the lives, in your own life, in the lives of those around you. But it begins with one thing, get them to Jesus. So number one, get them to Jesus. Number two, grab your corner of the mat. Have you ever wondered why it took four young guys uh, to carry the paralyzed man? Maybe he was very overweight. Uh, maybe he'd had, maybe the mat was parked outside McDonald's and uh, he'd had a little bit too many McDonald's uh, cheeseburgers. Uh, maybe uh, there were four very weak young men, obviously not like Josh, and uh, work out at the gym. Uh, or maybe they realized that together they could do more. If just one of them had decided to do it on his own, perhaps he would have succeeded. But what would have happened when he started to get tired, started to doubt whether this was a good idea or not, started to lose his footing when he was trying to carry him upstairs? Perhaps to carry the whole mat would have been too much, but he could definitely grab his corner of the mat. Helen Keller puts it beautifully and she says, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. This is why I love uh, the local church. Uh, I love connect groups uh, and serving in the local church. They give a great opportunity to grab my corner of the map. I get the chance to be a part of the miracle when I get to do it with others. So that when I'm tired, they can encourage me. And when I'm tired, they can, uh, I can encourage them. Uh, it's such an incredible picture of uh, doing life together. We are... Hashtag better together. Uh, you can hashtag that. And, uh, but but it's the reality of our faith. We were not called to do life alone. Uh, we were not called to, you know, just go through life isolated and alone. That's what uh, one of the, the most beautiful things about the local church is that it's a community of believers who encourage one another, who build one another up in faith that, you know, there is seasons in life, but the, the beauty of the local church is seeing them uh, you know, go from strength to strength. Uh, this is so uh, greatly personified. I love uh, documentaries. Uh, it's probably one of the things. Documentaries in sport is probably all I watch on TV. Uh, I watch a lot of sport. When my, when my wife, when we had our first little we got a 19-month-old little girl. She is beautiful. Uh, her name is Jaya Milan. 
But when she was born, we got Fox Sports downloaded. Uh, so, uh, so if we had the late night feeds, I could check out what was on happening in sports news. So, uh, but I love documentaries. And there's this one documentary, This it was fascinating uh, to, to see. It's about geese and uh, I know late night documentaries. But uh, what struck me was that there was these habits that, you know, who's ever seen birds fly together? They fly in, apart from the mighty ducks, you see the mighty V. That's kind of where everyone's frame of reference is. But there's actually a science behind uh, why they fly the way that they do. Uh, there's, there's these four observations that they made in this documentary. Uh, those in the front uh, rotate their leadership. When one lead goose gets tired, it changes places with the one in a wing formation and another flies to the point. By flying as they do, the members of the flock create an upward air current from one another. Each flap of their wings literally creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. One of the uh, documentary guys said that flying in the V formation, the whole flock gets 71% greater flying range than if each goose flew on their own. When one gets sick or wounded, two will fall out of formation with them and follow it to help protect it and uh, sustain it until they're able to get up and fly again. Uh, these geese in the rear of the formation are the ones who do the honking. It's, a, it's their way of announcing uh, that they're following as well uh, and that all is well and you can keep going. For sure, the repeated honks encourage those to stay in front. It's like, you guys just stay up the front there. We're just going to keep honking at the back. We're doing good. <laughs> as I, I thought about this, one lesson stands out above all others. It's the natural instinct of geese to work together. Whether it's rotating, flapping, helping, or simply honking, the flock is in it together. Power to the, power to the geese, which enables them to accomplish what they set out to do. This year, why don't you take your next step? Maybe for you, it's to get involved in a connect group uh, or a life group. Uh, what are those one another's of scriptures that, you know, God is, is impressing in your heart? What are those things that God has, uh, you know, impressed upon your heart to, to get involved with? You know, the reality is God has not called you to do anything. I'm so thankful uh, that God called Bo and not me to be a worship leader. Uh, when we did Bible college, uh, Back in the day, uh, everybody had to worship lead. I don't know if that was like a, a spirit-led movement uh, or if that was just like, just to really put us out of our comfort zone. Uh, I remember we, this was back in the day. I did Bible college in 2007. And, uh, and so when we did it, you used to have to like pick your OHT slides before. Uh, so you would worship lead on Wednesdays. Everybody had to worship lead. Didn't matter. And so uh, you would have to go and get, and I remember just, when I would go and get my OHT slides, it was like the beginning of the dread just began at that moment. I was like, I've got to worship lead tomorrow morning. But uh, I'm so thankful that God has not called us to do everything. Uh, but God has called us to, call, to grab our corner of the map. Uh, that I can literally just grab my corner of the map and in doing that, literally see people's lives change. That I can see miracles in my community. Uh, do you know, maybe for you it's, it's helping in the cafe team that it's presenting, uh, you know, the local church is engaging in uh, with fellowship and good coffee. Uh, good coffee is a great ministry to the local church. But maybe for you it's car park. Maybe it's that smiling face. Maybe it's, do I love that the local church and, and, and your local church is um, totally about um, changing people's perception about who 
God is that we serve. Uh, we serve a God of excellence and love. And, uh, you know, when you walk in, when you drive into a car park and someone's smiling and waving at you and saying hello, you know, when you walk into a, a foyer and somebody shakes your hand and says, you know, you belong here. Uh, I love that. That's your corner of the mat. You know, maybe you're not called to, to preach or to, to worship lead, but maybe for you, you're called to shake someone's hand and tell them that God loves them. Maybe for you, it's handing out a, a little gelatin lolly uh, in the shape of a red frog with a blue card. Uh, whatever that looks like for you, but all you've got to do is grab your corner of the mat. So let me encourage you that this year, maybe for you that's getting involved uh, in a host team or, you know, even using those gifts and talents to, maybe it's, maybe you feel God's calling you to ministry and so it's taking that next step and grabbing your corner and going to ministry college. Uh, whatever that looks like for you, uh, I really do believe that God has called us not to do everything, not to do it alone and isolated, but just to grab our corner of the mat. Is that good? All right, number three, let's go. Uh, this is probably one of my, my favorite. Uh, every obstacle is another opportunity if you're willing to dig. In 1915, the people of Coffee Country, Alabama, were devastated after the boll weevils and introduced pests, much like the cane toad, destroyed their cotton crops. The economic lifeblood of the region, what would they do? Grow peanuts, suggested scientist George Washington Carver, who also found that the versatile legume, uh, you didn't know that peanuts were legumes, did you? Uh, could be used to make soap, ink, plastics, cosmetics, uh, opening up the local economy to a brighter future. Carver viewed the crop failure not as a disaster, but an opportunity for transition. Uh, bon Fleming, a local businessman, came up with the idea to build a monument and help to finance the cost. A tribute that still stands today in the middle of country country, uh, Coffee Country, Alabama, says this. It's a monument and says, in profound appreciation of the boll weevil and what ha it has done to herald prosperity uh, in our region. Uh, pretty funny. It would be, it's probably not a very pretty uh, monument in the middle of the city. Uh, but I love what it illustrates. You know, the, the truth, and, and this has been the reality and, and what, uh, you know, we've walked in is that opportunity often comes wrapped in the package of inconvenience. Uh, you know, and, and opportunities are only realized if you are willing to dig or, uh, or to unwrap. Uh, for, for us, uh, we've led uh, Red Frogs now for about seven years in North Queensland, and uh, that includes overseeing schoolies in a few locations. Our biggest location is Airly Beach, and uh, we're suffering for Jesus in Airly Beach. It's, it's like right on the coast. It's the gateway to the Whitsunday Islands, and uh, our teams get to do reef trips. We're in bed by like one o'clock, uh, but, but it's beautiful, but it is pretty big. There was, um, and I remember the first year I took on the leadership of um, of of schoolies, in particular. Uh, we had just lost um, our little cousin died in a motorcycle accident. He was quite a good motocross rider, and uh, on the first day uh, of schoolies, um, we he had passed away the day before. So we were in ICU. Had to turn his ICU off. Then we left. The next day, we drove down uh, to Airlie Beach. We were behind an accident. Uh, three uh, local kids who just graduated. Uh, we're, we're driving and, and being a bit reckless and, and hit a tree and uh, all three were killed on impact and uh, so literally uh, we had just um, you know just finished doing uh, finish all, all that stuff with our family and then we go down and it was like wow God where are you in the midst of all of this and uh, then on the Monday um, we, we always host Andy uh, for a night he comes up and hangs out with our teams and 
Uh, it's a great time. But we had, we had drove, driven back to Townsville for the funeral and then came back up that night. And uh, it was 3 a.m. in the morning. And uh, we're walking around the lagoon and everything within me, I was tired. I was like, I just want to go to bed. And uh, Andy was up. And, and we had seen probably, we had been dealing with the reality of the sort of wash up of this with all these local kids. And it was, it was pretty, the first few days of schoolies was pretty trying for us. And, but we just, there was these two young guys who we spotted at 3 a.m. They were sitting over near the side of the lagoon and everything within me just wanted to go to bed. I was tired and it was inconvenient. And I was like, it'll be all right. They'll be okay. It's 3 a.m. It'll be sunrise in a couple of hours. They'll be fine. And, uh, but just felt this real uh, tugging in my, in my, in my spirit to, to go over and talk to them. And I said, Andy, let's go over. And, and so it uh, turns out that these two young guys had, um, had taken quite a significant amount of alcohol uh, that night and had purchased drugs to OD. Uh, they were the two best friends of um, three of those young boys. And, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, when we're available, God doesn't need us to be, um, you know, have all the answers, but just to be available and, uh, and be willing to be inconvenienced for Him. And, uh, and so, you know, we got to speak into those two young boys' lives. And one of those boys moved to Townsville straight after schoolies and came to university, gave his heart to God in our local church. Another one of the boys moved down to Sydney and, and same thing and, um, you know, got connected into a local church because they were able to see the love of Jesus in that situation. But imagine if we were not willing to be inconvenienced. Imagine if, uh, you know, we just decided, oh, well, uh, imagine in this story if those boys were like, ah, oh, it's too heavy. Uh, you know, we, we don't really want to do that. It's too much hard work. Um, you know, uh, there, there's so many times in the Bible where we see this illustrated if you study the miracles of Jesus, you'll find that many of them began with an inconvenience. Jairus, Jairus inconveniently asked Jesus to come to his house to help his dying daughter. That wasn't on Jesus' schedule for the day. Blind Bartimaeus inconveniently kept calling out to Jesus until he got Jesus' attention. The woman with the issue of blood inconveniently grabbed Jesus in the crowd. If you want to see God perform a miracle, don't be too quick to avoid inconvenience. Uh, the next time you're tempted to huff in frustration or to be disappointed through failure or quit, just remember this. Maybe this is my opportunity. Maybe this little bit of inconvenience is, uh, you know, just, just the wrapping around my opportunity. Maybe I need to dig a little deeper. Maybe I need to commit uh, a little more time. Uh, number four is to not take no for an answer. The reality is for this guy who was paralyzed, he didn't really have many options. Uh, it's not like he could say no. Uh, he's like, hey, guys, what are you doing with me? They're like, oh, good, bro, just jump on the map. You're coming with us. I love that these four friends didn't take no for an answer. One of them probably was MacGyver. That's what, in my mind, when I'm reading the story, I'm just imagining one of them to be MacGyver. But uh, I, I love that at no point in the story do we hear that they made excuses or that they took no for an answer. I don't think any of them just randomly had a harness or a rope or a shovel, uh, but they were resourceful. I imagine that it would have taken some blood, sweat, and inconvenience, but with persistence, they saw an incredible miracle take place. I imagine if those friends, uh, I imagine that it would have, those friends had given up when they got to the house and saw how many people there were. Imagine how different that story would read. Imagine if when they got there, 
they took no for an answer. Uh, that's the reality of our story with Red Frogs. I remember being on there for the first week. We had no idea. We literally had no, when we say we had no idea, we literally had no idea. We didn't even order the right shirts. Uh, so we were wearing like shirts over shirts because Lucas ordered all girl shirts. And uh, so we were like, thanks, bro. And uh, we were on crutches and we, we didn't even know where to go. There was um, one of them who is now my, uh, so one of the girls who was on our team, who was Elise, who's my brother's wife now today. And uh, she had just graduated uni the year before, and she was one of the party kids at O-Week, the very, the, the O-Week just before that. So she kind of knew where to go because she was one of those party kids. Uh, but then uh, there was Craig, who was another uni student, and uh, myself, and then just one other guy. And um, we really just sort of rocked up, and, and but believed in all of our heart that God had called us to be there and that there was... Um, to know that he had something significant for us and that we were walking in the grace and favor of God in that university campus. And so, uh, you know, for us, uh, it was so funny, though, being on there. We had no idea what we were doing. We had half-frozen icy poles because we didn't realize how long it took to freeze icy poles in North Queensland, which is like 12 months because uh, it's hot. And uh, so, so we had, like, cordial pops that we're handing out and... Uh, and we were hanging out with a chaplain. We, we were with the chaplain for because we just didn't know where to go. So we were like, we'll just tee up with a chaplain guy and he'll probably direct us a little bit. And um, so we're with the chaplain and, and we would ask like, hey, is it cool if we do this? And he's like, you know, like Christian groups are not allowed to do that. Um, and we we're just like, and he just kept saying no, like, oh, no, Christian groups are not really allowed to engage on colleges. They don't really like having Christian groups doing that. And, and we we're just like, just something began to stir in our spirit that we're just like, we don't want to be told no, like, maybe it's just because we're a bit rebellious, and we just like to get up to mischief, uh, but there was something in us that we just, we just didn't want to take no for an answer, and so uh, we prayed about it as a team, and so we're just like, let's just go and ask, and uh, so we ended up speaking at the big welcome event, and introducing ourselves, and who we were uh, to all the brand new students, we went and addressed the, the guys who looked after all the colleges, and, uh, and they said, yep, come on, you can do whatever you want on our university colleges. And, uh, you know, having that conviction that we wouldn't take no for an answer, uh, because it's, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, if we walk in the favor and the grace of God, uh, then really we just get to follow the call of God. So often on the verge of a miracle, we feel sorry for ourselves and justify it to ourselves why we give up. We say things like, this is okay. I won't apply for that promotion or dream job. This is, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at today. Uh, this is just my lot in life. My parents got divorced, so I guess I will. My family has always had financial hardships, so maybe that's just the way God wants it. Maybe I'm not good enough. Uh, I, we have a, a core conviction uh, as a local church that, um, you know, and with our young adult community that, I'm not going to let setbacks, circumstances, or mistakes take me out of the game or put my dreams on the shelf. Uh, to know that we are committed to not taking no for an answer, that we don't want to just maintain the, the mundaneness and just, you know, manage something, but we want to be able to dream and, you know, dream in what God has called us to and what He might yet do. Uh, we, we honestly believe that the greatest leaders, the greatest strategies um, for our local church, um, those leaders are not saved yet and those strategies are not thought of yet um, because God has yet graced us to do more. And uh, to know that we've been able to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before and run so far, but we believe that you know, the next generation will go even further. And, uh, and that's exciting, but it only can happen when we don't take no for an answer. 
when we don't allow setbacks or failures. Uh, I love Thomas Edison, uh, you know, just his conviction of, you know, not taking no for an answer and failure, uh, you know, that literally 9,999 times that it failed. But he just worked out there's 9,999 uh, 9, ways that it doesn't work, but yet there'll be another go. And, uh, and without him, we would not have, uh, you know, light bulbs. So that's, that's good. We wouldn't have these fancy lights on stage. But uh, the truth is that God wants more for my life. God wanted more for the life of the paralyzed man than living as a beggar on a mat. Uh, and, and you've got to know the heart of God in all of this. Do you know, the heart of God is, is so incredible. Uh, to know that the, the heart of God is that Father's heart, that God wants us to have more. Do you know, uh, we had our first Christmas with, with Jaya uh, last year and being a dad, and uh, it's an incredible moment to, to kind of be a dad and, and to have a Christmas. And, and you really don't, people talk about all the time, like being a father and how it, you know, you, you get a new perspective of God's love and, and that Father's love, and you think, yeah, yeah, like, cool, like, I've grown up around that, like, that's sweet. Until you're actually in it, uh, and then you go to the shops at Christmas time and just like, man, there's so many things you can buy. I think it's the only time in my life where I'd want to outspend my wife at shopping. And uh, which if you know my wife, that's quite difficult. Uh, I feel like I should have bought shares in Louis Vuitton and Country Road before we got married. And uh, that would have helped. But, but I, believe, I believe that wholeheartedly that, that God's got so much more for your life. Uh, do you know that? that maybe there's been situations and circumstances where you've allowed the devil to speak into and say, no, this is just your life. Uh, but God says yes, and yes and amen, that, that I have made a way through Jesus that, you know, that, that all things are available to you. Uh, you know, that we get to walk in the grace and the favor of God and that we get to see miracles happen in people's lives. That this young paralyzed man who was radically healed he wasn't only healed but his sins were forgiven and he was that day in relationship with Jesus this year believe for more and don't take no for an answer then lastly uh, and last point I'll finish on this one let God do it his way after everything the man is finally lowered before Jesus and he says your sins are forgiven Jesus not only heals his body but as we talked about before, he forgives his sins, uh, which would have been quite random. Like, everybody, like, this is a pretty big situation. Everybody would have known that this guy is paralyzed. And so it's perplexing uh, to all of them. Uh, but now Jesus heals his body. But the reality of the lesson is that, you know, sometimes we've got to let God do it in his ways and with his timing. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do you know, when, when God first spoke to Rachel and I, uh, our journey has been one of, um, you know, seeing God's grace and favor in our life so evident. But uh, we, we first started, eight years ago, we started with our uni ministry, and uh, God spoke to us, or spoke to me uh, initially about taking time off. We were running uh, quite a successful block lane company, and uh, God spoke to me about taking a day off a week to volunteer in church to kind of deal with the growth that we had seen and to help disciple these young guys. And I was like, God, how about you take a day off? <laughs> uh, and so my wife was my, my wife was at uni, and Rachel was at uni, and but we just like we said before, we had that conviction, Matthew six thirty three, that we'll put God first. And uh, I remember uh, right after that. So, uh, but that journey. So we took a day off a week and. 
uh, and we'd do that. And, and slowly, uh, more and more, we would see, um, you know, as, as need grew, we would volunteer more. So I was volunteered two days a week in the church. And uh, two, just before we got employed full time, uh, I'd taken some like 19 weeks annual leave uh, unpaid um, from work to, to, to work in church. And it was funny, like we would look at our, our tax statements every year and there would be like less and less, but never, never were we doing you know, more things and got to see God just so fruitful. We got flown over to Europe to, to speak over there and to help out over in Europe. And like our lives were so enriched and enlarged. And it was funny that, you know, in, in all of that, um, we got to see God's timing, that the reality of, of everything in God's timing was that, you know, I probably wouldn't be here in ministry today, that uh, I never really pictured myself doing full-time ministry, that I loved, you know, what I was doing, but um, I just had this burning desire to help build the local church and connect people with the love and the grace and the mercy of a God who designed their life on purpose and for great purpose. And uh, so I didn't know what that looked like, but I did know that I was committed to just helping build the local church. And then, you know, through all of that, in God's timing, uh, we were able to see God move miraculously, not only in our own life, but in the ministries that we were a part of. So when you are in the middle, uh, just remember that God is the author and perfecter of your faith, the Alpha and the Omega. He wrote the story and He knows when the time is right. The best way, uh, which isn't always the way that we thought it should go. So have a peace and know that He is God and let go and let God. Uh, so... I think that in all of this today, I'm convinced that God wants to see the miraculous in our lives. I believe that you know, putting these things into place in our lives will help us unpack and uncover you know, some of the, the miracles that God has set up for you. And you've got to know that God has miracles set up for you, that we get to walk in that. So I think you know, as we remember to you know, get those things to Jesus, grab our corner of the mat, see every obstacle as an opportunity, and, and be willing to dig. Refuse to, make, to take no for an answer and let God do it His way. I think when we put those things as core convictions of our lives that we will see God move miraculously uh, just as these four young boys saw uh, their, their friend's life completely changed. And uh, but when I was uh, to know, preparing uh, for this, uh, I think just this one thought really popped into my heart that it's not always... Uh, what you carry that's most important. It's actually who you carry. Uh, you know, far more important than um, just some of those uh, things. It's who is God relying on you to carry this year? Uh, you know, I've never felt more challenged, uh, you know, to, to disciple, um, you know, young people and to see them reach their potential in God. Uh, you've only got to hang, hang out, I think, every time I meet, and hey, I've known Andy for a long time now. I've known him for about eight years. Every time I meet with Andy, I'm, I'm so inspired by and, and so uh, encouraged by the conviction of Andy to reach ones and twos. Uh, the reality of a local church is it's made up of a whole lot of individuals who have individual stories, uh, to know individual challenges. But who is it that, I'm, that God has called me to carry uh, this year? What, who's, who's answer, uh, whose prayer am I the answer to? Uh, do you know? We always pray prayers, but whose prayer could I physically be the answer to this year? Who am I going to carry? Maybe it's a friend who needs to know God. Maybe it's a colleague who you sit next to every day. Uh, maybe for you, uh, it's, it's someone's, uh, it's family or friends. Uh, but the reality is, 
um, who am I going to carry this year? Who am I going to bring to Jesus? Uh, who, is, who, am I, who am I saving a seat for? Who am I inviting to Redcliffe uh, City Point Church uh, to see them encounter the love and the grace and the mercy of the God who not only loves them but designed their life on purpose and for great purpose? And we get to be a part of that miracle. Uh, we read this story in the Bible, but yet that same power that was at work then is at work within us. And so we have that opportunity today. And so let me encourage you, who is it that you're carrying? Even now, be thinking about those people. Lastly, I want to give opportunity. And uh, maybe you're here today. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about Jesus and the love and the grace um, of Jesus. And you're kind of like, I know about God or, you know, maybe I've grown up around church or, uh, but I could say that I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, maybe for you today, uh, you know, it's that picture of, you know, God is almost at an arm's length that, you know, you've maybe engaged with religion, but not, never relationship. And so uh, today, um, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, I was 16 years of age when I made this decision. Uh, and this is the greatest decision that I ever made. I grew up in the local church and uh, walked away from God for all my teenage years. But uh, I realized one thing, that I couldn't live off my parents' faith. And to know that my life was stuck in that roundabout uh, of just going through the motions. But to know for me, that I had to make that decision that, you know, to make Jesus the Lord of my life. He's either Lord at all, uh, Lord of all, or Lord not at all. Uh, so, you know, for you here this morning, maybe that's your story. And you can say, Matt. So would you pray, pray with me? I want to either A, um, you know, be in relationship with Jesus for the first time, or maybe for you uh, a long time ago, or, uh, you know, you, you were in a relationship with Jesus, but uh, right now you would say, Matt, you know, I'm, I'm not in a right place with, with God. And so, Matt, would you pray for me today? I would love to. Uh, to, to connect you with the God who made you is an incredible miracle. The miracle of salvation is the greatest thing uh, that you could ever do. And so if that's you this morning, say, Matt, would you pray with me this morning? I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands. I'll see it, then you can put it down. I would love to pray with you this morning. So if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. So if that's you, in three, two, one, why don't you lift your hands? If that's you, I'd love to receive Jesus in your heart this morning. Awesome, I see your hand. Thank you, God. Come on. I just want to give it a little bit of time. So you know, for me, it was almost like I would always put it off. But growing up in church, it was like, maybe I'll do it next week. Or, you know, that's something maybe you do when you get a little bit older that, God, I'll just do it later. Um, but if your heart is beating, that's God knocking on your heart and saying, hey, this morning, why wait? Why wait on a God who loves you so intently and wants to be in relationship with you today? So if that's you, one more opportunity. If you'd like to respond and say, Matt, would you pray for me this morning? Awesome. Well, for this one young lady, uh, we would love to pray. Church, why don't we pray together? God, I thank you. Lord, that today, that in this moment, that, that you are in relationship. God, that in, in today that there is something of incredible change, that catalyst moment, a line in the sand, that today there is relationship, there's a party in heaven. Lord God, we just pray, Lord, that this decision would be cemented in her heart, that she would know that she would know that she is loved. Lord God, that your grace is sufficient for her life. And Lord, that in everything, 
God, that you have planned her life on purpose and for a great purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.